If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Hey, pull up a chair. It's Hacks on Tap with David Axelrod, Robert Gibbs, and Mike Murphy. If we make 2024 election a referendum on Joe Biden and his failures, and if we provide a positive alternative for the future of this country, Republicans will win across the board. If we do not do that, Uh, If we get distracted, if we focus the election on the past or on other side issues, then I think the Democrats are going to beat us again. uh, And I think it'll be very difficult to recover uh, from that defeat. Other side issues. Hmm. I wonder what he's talking about, David. Yes, I don't know. It's very subtle. We need to decipher this. And who better to decipher what a Floridian means than one of the great political exports uh, from the state of Florida, the great Joe Scarborough. Not only a cable TV high lantern of wisdom, also a <laughs> former member from the esteemed 104th, 105th, and 106th Congress. There can only be one person. Yes, Joe Scarborough, welcome. It's great to have you, brother. It's great to be here. So talk to me about DeSantis. What did you make of this past weekend? Uh, and where do you think he stands? Well, I, you know, I after watching DeSantis this past weekend in Iowa, I was reminded of what you guys know better than than most anybody. The campaigns are very long; uh, <laughs> yes. and, and they're they're marathons, and all of these people that are running around saying that Trump has it in the bag and that DeSantis is already defeated, uh, just don't know what they're talking about. I, I reminded when Morning Joe came on in two thousand seven; it was May of two thousand seven. And we spent, as John McCain's campaign kept going down, 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 we spent the first six months talking about how Hillary and uh, Giuliani were going to match up against each other. <laughs> and that was conventional wisdom. I mean, uh, as you know very well, David, um, you know, Hillary was still ahead yes, of I Pre- that. President Obama <laughs> by, by 20 points, I think, in, in, in some polls late the year. And as, as Mike certainly remembers, so like all of us do, uh, John McCain uh, was was left for dead in July of 2007, which is even later than where we are in this current cycle. Uh, that we were in that cycle. I always tell the story when I'm talking about how long campaigns are. About a time I was leaving Pensacola, Florida, walking out of my dad's house, and my dad, who was, you know, he was he was a Main Street mainstream Republican, going out, and I think he'd listened to me talk about McCain's terrible campaign enough and right before i left he said hey joey hey joey i was like yes sir he goes mccain's gonna win he's gonna win the nomination so just just when you go back up keep that in mind stop stop counting him out i always think about that uh because mccain did come back and win uh president obama of course won the democratic primary as well these these races are very very long races and 
And and I would say, I have been surrounded. Uh, I'm surrounded by Trumpers, people who voted for Trump, people in my family, people I went to church with, grew up in church with. And these are people who a year ago were telling me still that they supported Donald Trump, despite the fact Donald Trump had accused me of murder 12 times. And they actually told me they were voting for Trump. And I said, well, where are you voting? My, be- my best friend said, well, you voted for Donald Trump. You know, it accused me of murder 12 times. And if he'd accused you of murder 12 but times. But in a nice way, Joe. Right, exactly. I said, <laughs> I would have spent the rest of my life making his life a living and breathing hell. But why are you voting for him? And he said, regulations. Okay. <laughs> so, so, and he was serious. I like red. And he was, he was serious. So I say all that to say over the past three months or so, I've started hearing, I heard over Easter, Easter uh, vacation when my family flooded in, I heard him moving away from Donald Trump in a mm-hmm. way that I haven't heard since he went down the escalator in 2015. And actually, that has only been sort of uh, accelerated since the CNN town hall meeting. So I think all of these things that cause Mika and me to catastrophize and cause, uh, well, people who love America and don't want fascists to be president of the United States again. We few, we wonderful few. We wonderful <laughs> few. We band of yeah. brothers. Uh, but, but You guys want a moment alone here? <laughs> we are so, we think, we think we're all on the same side on this one. Uh, we, we really do. Uh, we're starting to, to, to see the very things that make us catastrophize are the very things that move swing voters and former Trump voters in the suburbs of Atlanta, the suburbs of Philly, the suburbs of Detroit and Wisconsin, move them even further away from Donald Trump. So I think that's happening. And I, I certainly wouldn't count Ron DeSantis out. Yeah. You know, our listeners have heard me go a hundred times, but I had a speech out at the uh, at Simpson College a few weeks ago in Iowa. And I used to run the Branstead races and know Iowa pretty well. So I got a bunch of the old hacks and some of the new hacks together, the R's. And some were on the payroll for Trump in 2016. And they said, look, this guy is not going to win the caucus. We don't know who is, but the biggest vote here, it's not anti-Trump versus pro-Trump. It's Trump versus God. Can we move on with somebody with similar enemies, but no crazy who Biden can't beat uh, on the Christian side, on the regulars? It, it was fascinating to me. Uh, and, you know, you could feel that. And I got some t- emails from Iowa when DeSantis took his show to town. He's got some candidate problems, but he is a move beyond guy. And they haven't read the memo yet from the Beltway that DeSantis is over. You know, there, there's room for him to do business, and he was doing business. All right, you guys. Uh, and, and I know <laughs> I know you're motivated, as uh, I think democracy-loving people are, by feelings about Trump. Uh, but uh, just talking practical politics, you're right, Joe. These are long races. I always refer to them as sort of uh, the longest oral exam in on the face of the earth and they're very exacting uh so what i'm really asking about is this past weekend i mean there was this thing that hangs over desantis which is he doesn't particularly like people he's not very good with people he doesn't like schmoozing he doesn't like back back slapping he doesn't like any of that so they sent him out there remember they wrote on his pad back in 2018 be likable before his debate um something he needs to be reminded of it's like the uh dancing bear you know when a bear dances no one says gee 
that bear doesn't dance very well. They say, wow, the bear can dance. So the fact is he went out and he did the bare minimum, no pun intended, uh, in uh, pun Iowa. totally intended. I can hear the groans across America. <laughs> but go but, ahead. Uh, but the question is, how will he hold up over the long term? And were you guys encouraged by what you saw this weekend? Well, I mean, when when you say were were we encouraged, I, I'm not um, I'm not encouraged by anything I hear Ron DeSantis doing in the state of Florida. I think the fact that uh, the fact that he's got a pit bull named Bob Iger clamped onto his leg and he's not smart enough to sue for great peace shows that the guy does just not that smart uh, politically. That said, I do think there's a possibility that he can do the blocking and the tackling. Sub- the stuff that actually you guys did in the summer of 2007 when I read a New York Times article that said Barack Obama, because I, I, I didn't have a whole lot of confidence that Barack Obama was going to be able to beat the Clinton machine. I thought they were going to chew you guys up and spit you out. You should have called me, brother. I would have told you. Of course. Two things changed. That one was a New York Times article that I read uh, that, that, that talked about um, the fact that all the money that he was making, he was pouring into the ground game mm-hmm. in Iowa. And I said, okay, mm-hmm. this guy's different. He's, this, is not, mm-hmm. this is not, I love Howard Dean, but this is not Howard Dean 2004. This guy's playing for keeps. And the second thing was, of course, his ability to raise a ton of money. Now, Jab was able to raise a ton of money, and it, it disappeared very quickly. But here's the thing about Trump. Trump in 2015 and Trump in 2016 was a candidate of disruption. All right? Now, he's Elvis 1977. There is no yeah. disruption. We've seen this act time and time again. He keeps repeating the same lines. This is something that even Juan DeSantis uh, can, can, can take care of. So, I don't know, Mike. I, I'm not. I'm not wishing for this. I just. I just again with the Republicans that I hear talking day in day out, and I live around them all the time. They. They just. They are all ready to move beyond Donald Trump. The ones that I talk. Yeah. Yeah. I think we see it the same. I'm not a DeSantis guy myself. I just want to stop Trump. I'm like, you know, a clerk in the army shipping tanks to Stalin because if I got to make a choice and I'm not sure it will be DeSantis, but the way the conventional wisdom media figures it's Trump or DeSantis, DeSantis has a bad week. Therefore, it will be Trump is. And you mentioned this already. It's a bad calculus. I like Tim Scott a lot. I wish Brian Kemper running. I'm not a fanatic ideologically for either of them, but candidate wise, I could see them both operating in the primary to take advantage of what I think you've identified and uh, we've talked about, which the media will catch up to, which is there is an opportunity for somebody. I don't know who it'll be, but it's there. And DeSantis is showing he's got the right enemies in the for a chunk of the Republican Party, and he's not Trump. He's trying to do dime store Trump. I, I don't know if that'll work or not, but it'll ante him in, that and the 70 million, and we'll see. And there will be others. You know, there are others in the race. He made a kind of strategic shift here in Iowa because he really leaned into this. Uh, we got to win uh, electability. Trump can't win, although he didn't say the word Trump. He doesn't utter the word Trump. But uh, that was his message, and that's what he's counting on, and that he's counting on turning it into a binary choice between him and Trump and crowding everybody else uh, out of the field. But, Joe, you raised something that's interesting to me, which is the paradox of him saying we've got to win and we need to be you know an electable candidate as he tacks further and further and further to the right 
to try and signify for the Trump voters that he's every bit as Trump as Trump, except he's not nuts. And yeah. that to me, that that creates all kinds of questions about actually what kind of general election candidate he would be. I mean, the country is not Republicans probably respond well to the stuff that he's doing. And that may be all he's interested in the general election, six week abortion ban you know, permitless uh, carry of guns, of the Disney stuff, the, the uh, you know, his special police that go around doing political chores for that kind of stuff does not play well in a general election. Well, this is the second thing that I found from my Republican friends, my evangelical friends that I grew up in, you know, First Baptist Church in Pensacola and Meridian, Mississippi and Chambly, Georgia, you name it. This is another thing that I'm starting to, to pick up that I've got to say really surprises me. There are people who consider themselves, and not just one or two, a lot of people who consider themselves lifetime pro-life Republicans who are deeply worried about some of the more radical pieces of legislation that are passing. Now, I'm sure the people that are really engaged in the Iowa caucuses aren't these people, but I'm talking about Trump voters, uh, uh, Republican voters, who over Easter, everyone that came to visit around our house, who were all Trump voters, who've been 16 and 20, they, they all had a story, and we all know. When people have a story that breaks through, like sort of the talking points, you know, somebody's screwed because it's connecting. Everybody had a story. I didn't bring up politics. I don't bring it up in the house. Everybody had a story about a woman in Texas yeah. who went to the to went to the, the emergency room and, and and they pushed her out. They wouldn't deliver her baby. She ended up going septic. She either ended up dying or had to deliver that baby in a bathroom. Or a Florida woman who, I mean, you name it, I literally sat there with my mouth actually wide open with these pro-life Trumpers. They all had a story, a horror story. You know, I was talking about the 10-year-old girl who was raped that had to flee Ohio uh, because uh, she was afraid that her parents and her doctor and her mental health providers couldn't make that decision. Or, you know, Tudor Dixon in Michigan saying, a 14-year-old who's raped by their uncle uh, is a perfect example of why she didn't want it. The Republicans in Michigan didn't want any exceptions for abortion. What I'm finding here is, really, wherever I go, it's just real re uh, just repulsion against uh, people repulsed by these extreme pieces of anti-choice legislation that are passing legislatures. And if you really want to figure out why that is, there's only 9% of Americans who support um, a, a ban on abortion with no exceptions. And these rat at six weeks might as well be no exceptions. Right. And, right. and of course, Mike, you brought up Tim Scott. Tim Scott saying, you know, just complete, total abortion ban nationwide. Let me tell you, even when I was running in Northwest Florida in the district that Jerry Falwell called the most conservative in America, I didn't go that far. You're off the cliff. And it's good. By the way, and it's going to cost, I really think, Mike, I really think 
that this is every bit as dramatic a change in American politics. If you look at Kansas, if you look at Kentucky, if you look mm-hmm. at what happened in Wisconsin a couple of weeks ago, as Prop 13 in 1978. This is a political earthquake. Dobbs is a political earthquake, and Republicans, they haven't felt the tremors yet, but everybody else is holding on. No, no, they they don't know. Yeah, the game has changed because Dobbs is the first time in any of our memories that the Supreme Court took something away from people. <laughs> you know, that's a new ball game in America. What do you mean I can't have what I used to have? You don't do that to Americans. Yeah, yeah it, it, and the old abortion issues was, well, it's kind of settled, but here I'm for changing it now, moving on to my Chamber of Commerce speech. Now the world has changed because they took a perceived right away, and very few of these guys know how to navigate it. Meanwhile, they're looking at the Iowa caucus thinking, I got to somehow be pro-life enough not to get killed because I got to wound and kill Trump, but I don't want to be President Huckabee or President Cruz or President Pat Robertson, you know, so, and they're, they're stumbling at it out of, but most of these guys stumble out of the box and we're see, I, I, I just want to make one point about something you said earlier, David, you got to remember with Republican primary voters, they don't see electability the same way that political people calculating a general election do. Their version of electability is a better, younger, smarter warrior for the cause with all the right enemies. And that's where Cruz is trying to go. I agree he's going to have general election Not Cruz, troubles. you mean DeSantis. I'm sorry, I, I get them easily confused. But it, it, it was a Freudian slip worth making. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> sitcom Dracula 1 or sitcom Dracula 2. But Biden is so weak, even a flawed Republican candidate has a shot. On paper... The worst matchup for Biden. You know, I have this replica remedy theory of presidential politics. What is the thing like when in 2000, what was it that people wanted to correct for that? What was the single most uh, 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 irritating uh, aspect of Trump that they wanted to fix? That he personally was kind of an asshole, that he was nasty, uncivil, indecent. Biden was a good matchup for Trump. He, yeah. You know, now. If you were thinking about the next election, a guy who was 30 or 40 years younger than him, a sort of muscular governor and so on, on paper, that's the right matchup, but we don't play these things uh, out on paper. Just on the back on the choice thing, though, I want to get back. I'm going to throw this. Let me just interject shortly. One thing. I agree. I like to say people vote for what they think they didn't get the last time. But a lot of what Trump had going that's all gone now, to Joe's point, is people actually thought, I saw a lot of data on this when he first ran, that he could fix Washington. Because he's the can-do guy from The Apprentice. He fired Gary Busey or whatever. And that all went away and gave him less in the re-elect because it was proven to be totally false. Yeah, but I, 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 will, I will tell you, one thing I heard in that town hall the other day was he has completely shed... Uh, other than some references, you know, uh, to his own greatness, he's kind of shed the persona of the incumbent and he's back to being totally the insurgent. And he's back to saying, yeah, I'll end the war in 24 hours. I'll do this. I'll do that. And here's the thing, guys, there is a there is I don't know what Donald Trump's ceiling is. I know he has one. He does have a pretty high floor. And that's the challenge here. And that's why DeSantis has to make this a binary race, because if it's not a binary race at the beginning, he could get badly squeezed here from people who just aren't uh, sold on him. But on this abortion question that you guys were just talking about. uh, So, Joe, based on what you say, I mean, Trump has this is one place where he sort of uh, he sought out some turf a little bit to the left of a little bit to the left of DeSantis. You think that he's making a good move there? 
Well, I mean, he made the calculation in 2016, remember the debate where he was talking about how Planned Parenthood did good things in the South Carolina debate, still won the South Carolina debate, won the South Carolina primary. Um, but I will say Trump is the one person who's, who's voiced real concern. Uh, when when the, the Dobbs decision was leaked, of course, it was Donald Trump who made sure he got out that he was running around telling everybody that this was going to be a disaster for the Republican Party. Um, he blamed pro-lifers uh, uh, for the 2022 losses um, and, uh, and, of course, causes obviously a little bit of break with, with some of them. He did claim credit in that town hall for making it all happen by appointing the Supreme Court that he appointed. So he, he's kind of playing both sides of the street. Of course, he's that he's greedy. Donald Trump. You know, I we mean, know he's a- pro-choice <laughs> at heart, yeah. but it, this is all, he's a show for the rubes and he'll work both sides of the deal, you know? Yeah. It's crazy. Oh, he always he always does, but there's no doubt he understands. Again, I keep going to the suburbs of Atlanta because it really is, you talk about, we always talk about the suburbs of, of, of Philly, but. You know, I was born in Doraville, Georgia, which was then the outskirts of Atlanta. Now it's sort of in the middle of the sprawl. Um, and everybody, was, they were all Democrats, right? Mm-hmm. And then in the early 70s, they were all Republicans. And they've been Republicans. And that's how Newt Gingrich uh, became uh, a representative from Alpharetta, Georgia, representing the Alpharetta area. Um And now they're all Democrats. My brother, who was there, uh, born there, uh you know, was that he's been there through it being a Democratic area, a Republican area, and now it's a Democratic area again. And I think Trump understands better than anybody. Those are the areas that he needs to get back, and he's not going to get them back when people are passing extreme abortion laws. Of course, he's not going to get them back for a million reasons as well. But, you know, abortion at least provides him a handy excuse to blame somebody else instead of his own incompetence in reaching out to the middle. These presidential races, these long races that Joe describes, they're not x-rays, they're 360-degree scans. And that's what makes them so challenging. As you know, you know you've, you've been involved in this process as well. My big question about DeSantis is, is this nonlinear question of how will ultimately people embrace him as a human being when he is subjected to the 360-degree scan. Well, that's the huge candidate question with everybody. As Joe said, there's a lot of time, and these things are logarithmatic. You know, it's all after Labor Day in Iowa. It starts to surge one way or another, and then it bounces to New Hampshire, which is a more secular state, by the way. And also, don't forget, when the Democrats killed New Hampshire and killed the Iowa caucus— There are hundreds of thousands of Democrats who are used to speaking up who have nothing to do, and both contests are pretty easy to cross over into. There are 172,000 Democrats who voted in the last caucus who have nothing to do when they're used to trudging through a blizzard to pipe up. So this one could be different. DeSantis... The first, DeSantis needs a second look because the media narrative has gone to hell. His donors are falling off. Yeah, but as you've got to point out that the second look is more important than the first. Totally. Well, he's beginning that because now the New York Times and then I, you know, I love them. They're friends <laughs> of mine and blah, blah, blah. But story one was DeSantis dead. Two days later, Trump rally fizzles while DeSantis packs him in. And, you know, so it's mind boggling. He's going to get the process second look. We're doing it right now. Well, he has a little bit of life to him. Then when he goes to his my metaphor is 10,000 car washes, when he gets to car wash 2000, because we're only at 1100 right now, 
then he's got to show there's a little love in him. Now, his secret weapon was deployed. We should just mention this. Casey, yeah, who's running wife, the yeah. campaign and understands public charm from being in local TV news. And she was a hit in Iowa. They, he needs to come down with a bad case of something or inspect Fiji and just put her on the trail because she's a lot better. Maybe some of it will uh, will rub off on him. So I think it's an open question. But I don't buy finally this thing that it's Trump or DeSantis. It's Trump or somebody. And the somebody race is open. Scott had a wobbly launch. I totally agree. But he's kind of the anti-DeSantis. He's all personality and affection. Maybe that'll catch on. I wish Kemp was in there. Looks like he's nailing the door shut now. Uh, and then there's Pence. We should probably talk about he's getting yeah. in. Got weaknesses, but he's somebody. And he has low expectations. Never a terrible thing. So Yes, he's done well to lower his, his yeah, expectations. Yeah, it's been a brilliant plan. <laughs> well crafted. They've sort of said in their spin as they roll out this super PAC and get ready to launch that he's going to run as a kind of Reagan-style conservative. You know, he's going to be strong on Ukraine. He's going to basically run on the, on the Reagan platform. Is that where the bulk of the party is now? Leaving aside that he's, Trump has sort of wrecked him, but what you know him well— what do you see for him here? Well, nothing good politically. I, I just say you don't win Republican primaries sort of playing both sides. And that's the thing that Mike has been doing. The vice president's been doing all along, playing all sides, cozying up to Trump as long as he can cozy up to Trump until he has to turn on him. And, and, and so, of course, uh, thanks to Dan Quell and Mike Pence, uh, the Republic was saved on January the 6th. And They'll go down to the history books for that, but you just can't, you don't win Republican primaries sort of go lumbering back and forth and back and forth and, and being, trying to be this moderating force, trying to, you know, balance, mm -hmm. balance things on the top of your head. It's just, that's not how Republicans run primaries and win primaries. So I suspect maybe he ends up at three, four, five percent, but you know, a lot of hostility towards him because. For the same reason, there's hostility towards the United States military because and the FBI because everybody didn't sort of cave and follow Trump's plan to overthrow the United States government. <laughs> hey, just a quick interjection because I'm going to get angry mail from old Rubio people who think I'm unfair to Nikki Haley. She's interesting. She's generational. <laughs> She's only got, last report, $4 million hard dollars in her account, so I don't know if she makes it to Labor Day without some fundraising. But if she got the spotlight, I think yeah, maybe she does some business in primary. What do well, you guys Well, yeah, but she has a bit of the problem that Joe talks about as well. She's both sidesism. Yeah. Both sidesism on Trump, man. She's a straddler, and that's that's hard. That's what, that's what I've, I've never really understood. There was a way, and all three of us could have explained to any of these candidates, there is a way to separate yourself from Trump without absolutely torching him. We've totally. all run in primaries. We've all understood that if there were five people, we we were going to have to beat them into submission politically, but do it in a way that for me, I had a I had a runoff. If you don't reach fifty percent in Florida back then, you had a runoff. Okay. I I had to beat them into submission at the same time, give them a big hug and let them know how much I loved them. So I could keep them on my side after I got into the you know the final one on one race and actually succeeded in doing that, which is is why I I, I won the primary. It, it but Nikki Haley, you you look at Nikki's quote, the governor's quotes. One day she's like, we you know, damn us for ever following this man. He is 
bad for democracy. He's bad for this. He's bad for that. And, you know, then the next day yeah. she's, she's defending. And I think that's her problem. Uh, that's Pitts's problem. Uh, you, you just, you can't have it both ways. Uh, and it, and, and I don't think they've, I don't think that any of them handled it very well. I do think DeSantis saying, listen, nothing against Trump. He's done, he's done some good things for us, but we've been losing, you know, for yeah. seven years in a row. That seems to me the best approach. Yeah, I thought he was pretty good on that. I mean, the king of it is Kemp, but, you know, despite my constant urging, because he's the one guy. Or maybe because Trump of it. Yeah, maybe. Know. Well, it was funny. I heard a little rumors from there. They actually tuned into the show and then talked about it for an hour. They, they want to run against Ossoff. And my mm-hmm. argument was, okay, do that after you don't win the nomination or win the nomination. But anyway, he was the best at the anti-Trump kung fu, and they should learn from him. Okay, then let's take a break right here, and we'll be right back. It's interesting the dynamic Trump has set up because all of the revelations about him now, he fits under the rubric of the conspiracy to stop him. And you saw it yesterday when the Durham report came out. Now, the Durham report, and I heard you go on at some length about this this morning, Joe, uh, the Durham report did nothing to validate, uh, you know, his claims that there was this plot within the FBI to stop him. And, and you know, I mean, I remember, and Joe, Joe, you talked this morning. I mean, the FBI did more to damage Hillary Clinton uh, than Donald Trump in that election. So the whole thing is, but it fits into this narrative. And, you know, you, for all of this chatter, you guys, the guy's numbers have gone up. He gets indicted, his numbers go up. He gets con- convicted or he gets found liable of sexual abuse. His numbers go up because there there is a core group in the Republican Party that accepts that they're just pounding on him because he's, you know, he's the uh, avenging angel taking on the deep state. And a core group that just loves to torture the media. If I'm a Red Sox fan, I'm never going to cheer the Yankees or yeah. criticize, screw them. So, you know, whether or not that's all about Trump or institutional tribal Republican hatred for the narrative coming out of East Coast media is a part of that mix, I think. It's spoken like a true West Coast guy. <laughs> Former right-wing nut, now Trump-hating right-wing nut. <laughs> you know, th- this isn't like everything with Trump. This is sort of uh, new dynamics uncharted waters plainly we've never had anybody under indictment running for president of the united states before but it's i said on tv the other night that you know in most pursuits being a sociopath is a liability but in politics it can be an advantage and it is an advantage to him because he's completely without shame and he is completely convincing about whatever it is he's trying to sell at that moment and so, like, I think that the old conventional wisdom was Trump can't be beaten. The new conventional wisdom is DeSantis is surging and he may consolidate the anti-Trump vote. And I'm going to stand back and watch because I'm not sure, you know, yeah, about no, any you, of It's this. too early. You can't be sure. You know the biggest force in the party has moved beyond Trump if possible. Now, whether that will materialize behind a candidate or not, it's too early. we got to have a campaign. And, and, and also, I think it's too early to also say that the indictments don't hurt him. I think the indictments do hurt him. I don't care what anybody says. You can whistle past the graveyard all you want. But if you're indicted, 
that has an impact. If you're indicted even in Manhattan, that has an impact. When he gets indicted in Georgia, and I think he'll be indicted in Georgia, if you look at polls, that's the indictment that people understand the most. That because yeah, we've they've got heard the, the tape. tape. Totally because, agree. Because you've got the tape. He bleeds even more. By the way, the first indictment, he bleeds because the porn star deal. It wasn't the payoff. It was just that the reminder of the porn star, the porn star, the porn star, right, with an evangelical base. And now E. Jean Carroll. The reminder of the Access Hollywood tape, it's back there. And not only is it back there, we're not only in 2016, he's now updated it, new and improved 2023 <laughs> version, where he actually says, after he apologized in 2016 and 2023, he goes, well, you know, this has been happening for a million years. Unfortunately, or fortunately, I can just walk <laughs> yeah, up to right. women because I'm a star and I can sexually abuse them. And maybe, you know, he says, maybe that's a good thing. That's also in their face. Georgia will be in primary voters' face because we've got the tapes. You got the same thing going on with the documents uh, at Mar-a-Lago. He's likely going to get, he's likely going to get indicted for that. We've got a New York case going on for fraud against uh, the Trump uh, organization. So you think that all these bricks, that at some point, it's too many bricks for the load? It's just too many because again, Mike will tell you, and I will tell you, the Republicans we talk to. You bring up Trump and the people are like going, oh, you, you know, you left wing media people. I go, you mean me who got a 96% lifetime ACU rating, that left winger? Yes. I think yeah. they've revoked that, Joe, but yeah. anyway. You, you, left, you left winger, you guys just hate Trump. I don't hear that anymore. I hear what Mike hears, which is like, oh my God. No, you hear it in focus groups. People say they like Trump, but he's just too much trouble, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I got to say also, if you don't, if you don't mind, David, I guess this it, this impacts you yeah. on the, the biggest political night of your life. I remember in 2008, the night that Barack Obama won. And of course, you know, biggest left-wing socialist ever. I, you, you, read, you read all of this stuff, Newsweek cover, we are all socialists now, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I remember walking away from 30 Rock and everybody screaming and yelling, going crazy. And I turned to my wife. After eight years, and Mike will understand this, after eight years of Bush and just getting the absolute shit kicked out of me wherever I went as a Republican, the shit kicked out of me. I turned to my wife and I said, let them fucking have it for a while. See how much they enjoy. I was so exhausted by either defending Bush for eight years or getting kicked on airplanes, like sitting next to people just could just tearing me to shreds because of George Bush, going to Little League baseball games, getting torn to shreds because of George Bush, wherever I went, getting it. And that was my attitude. It was like, let them fucking have it. Let them see how much they enjoy being in that position. And that's where Trump people are right now. But Trump people, I mean, I'm talking about people that voted for Trump that Mike and I are talking to who are ready to move on. They're like, I don't want to hear about this anymore. Give me DeSantis. Give me Tim Scott, give me Nikki Haley, give me Vivac, give me anybody but Donald Trump. I can't deal with this for four more years. Yeah, totally. The other thing I hear is, look at Biden. We can knock him over with a feather unless it's Trump. 
Right. That's the one guy we can, and we're gonna. And the the stakes are big. Woke America's out of control, et cetera, et cetera. The Axelrod Army is taking over with the Socialist Manifesto. Yes, and sir. And we can actually reverse all that by beating this old guy with the corrupt son. But the media will be totally on his side, and if we run with Trump, we got a slow pony. So that is a big psychology in the party. Of course, the flip side is that they recognize Trump as of the the most vulnerable. Can I mean they're sort of codependents, right? Each of them uh, looking to the other. And on the Democratic side, and we've talked about this. They're also counting on Trump because it's unimaginable that he'll embrace whoever wins and says, "Nice fight, you won. I lost. Let's march forward together." They're counting on him being a wrecking machine. You know, he'll be hobbled though. He'll be the biggest loser in America. He'll melt like the witch. He'll yeah. make trouble, but I, yeah. I we're see, we're, we're we're see. We've argued about this before. I know. Listen, I love you, brother, and you're one of the smart. You're one of the smartest guys know. I've <laughs> ever known. But you, you, you just can't separate your head from your heart. No, no, we're both in the same place here. I'm in love with the idea of Trump losing because I love America. You're in love with the idea of abortion and Trump saving Biden because you hate the idea of Republicans majority. We both have psychological therapy animals here. And no, I, look, I would like two regular parties, okay? I would like to see the yeah, Republican Party repair itself and be a genuine conservative party without a reprobate leading it who hates democracy. And I don't like people who imitate him either right me neither but right now got to stop the worst one i mean i'm 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 to the point where i'm gonna, gonna hold my nose and vote for somebody who's not trump in the primary so i'm in california doesn't matter i want to ask you about this debt ceiling fight because you've been yeah. around for these legislative yeah. battles uh, i mean the consensus here a couple of weeks ago was that this will all work out you know we used to have a speaker of, of the house in illinois who when a deal was coming together he said i can smell the meat of cooking is the meat a cooking here, or is or is that the smell of McCarthy getting roasted by his caucus? It always gets cooked. It always gets yeah. served. It just always says, because what happens is, as we get closer and closer, Kevin McCarthy, who needs to have the support of massive corporations, just like Democrats do as well, McCarthy's going to be starting to get called saying, dude, dude, you're going to destroy our <laughs> businesses. We're not going to have the money. If you're responsible... For America defaulting on on its debt, you know we can't be with you. He's going to start getting. It happens every time. Mike, I know you've been around. I've been around it. Yeah. It happens every single time. They always play chicken, and right before the Mack truck is about to run out of them, they jump out of the road. It'll happen too. I suspect that's right. But this there's a new element here, which is the size of the House majority, the degree to which he. Uh, put his balls in a jar and handed it over to uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and that group. So the question is, if there's a deal that can he can can he persuade the bulk of the crazy 20 Freedom Caucus people? This is the best we can do. Suck it up and vote for it. And if not, I mean, is there a scenario where he'd have to accept Democratic votes? And does that screw him? In the end, or do Democrats come and save him? No, because everybody's going to be hearing it from all all of their their bankers, all of their supporters, all of their business owners, all of their small business owners, all of their retirees. They're going to hear, you know, you know, get the deal done. Don't don't destroy our four hundred one ks. Don't cost millions of jobs. Get the deal done. So if he can't get five, six, seven, eight of the most extreme Republicans in the House, that's okay. Because how many? What is it? Fourteen. 
Republicans that won in Biden districts, they're not they're not going to go down with the ship. They're they're freshman members of Congress. Yeah. They're going to want to get reelected, and there will be enough. I mean, you know, it's like so if if and and this is something that McCarthy will figure out. Uh, who can afford to vote for this? Who do I need to give a pass to vote for this? And he'll do that, and they'll they'll get one more than they need. Yeah, I agree on this. All, as bad as it is, and I hear the staff talks are actually promising because the staff are grown up mostly. Meanwhile, Kevin went out and you know waved a sword around for optics within the caucus. But Joe, you know what it's like on a tough. I mean, I've been the political assultant in, in this thing with House members. They give the can't do it, can't do it, and right at the end you say, "Listen, asshole, you're going to lose." Yeah. You you want to go back to run your auto repair shop in Kokomo, Indiana, because that's the next story here. And I don't care how right or left wing they are in the caucus. In the end, none of these guys want to be ex congressmen unless right. it's their choice. And I'm going to say, I've seen, David, one issue after another but actually hit the wall and crash and burn, where you think, oh, they'll pull back in time. Our people used to think that we would pull back in time when we were, we were going crazy trying to balance the budget uh, and would shoot down our own appropriation bills. Um, this is the one issue. This is the one issue I've seen time and time again that always gets resolved because the alternative is just too horrible. The problem is the incentives are to do it at the last minute. There's no incentive to do it now, and that's scary. Right, not, not, right. Well, well, you know, look, my thought, and I said it last week, was they should extend this thing to October, pass the, uh, and, and, you know, do the negotiations on the budget, coterminous with that vote, and agree on a budget deal. And But maybe they can get it done sooner, which would be better for the economy. Biden's taking some shit from the left for some of the things that have been leaked that he was willing to increase in in uh, in age limit for people who would have to work for me- for food stamps and medicaid benefits and so on um so there's a little pressure on both sides but you guys may be right that the 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 pressure of the catastrophe may be a disciplining why well, uh, and, and david if i were betting if you could bet on this thing in vegas i would bet actually they would do what you just said they were going to do they'll push it off if they have a chance to push it off delay yeah, right. the pain they'll push it off Punting is the favorite thing. Okay, let's take a break right here for a word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. One other thing that is in the news right now is everybody was prepared for this onslaught on the border. Yeah. You know, if this was going to be it was going to be a catastrophe. It was going Now, we have a huge problem on the border, uh, but it didn't turn out so far to be what they said, partly because I think Biden got, you know, pretty tough and the word spread that he was getting tough and it discouraged people and so on. If this if it if it holds like this, does he get any points for that? No. No, no, I don't think so. I think I think his record is so. So Joe Biden, and I've got to say, I, I've heard you two talking. I've got to say, it's good that I am in the middle because you know, David. Of course, uh, you were called a socialist by Mike, and Mike's you know desperately well, looking for a Republican. I'm not looking for a Republican anymore. Mike calls the guy at the Santa Claus uh, thing with the buck. Uh, you know, he calls him a socialist when he passes by exactly. him on the street. So Tan Stoffel, Tan Stoffel. Yeah. 
But but I, I, I just I don't think the Republican Party can be saved. I, I think the party that I grew up in is 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 over and done. So I say this as an independent that uh, can't imagine voting Republican again uh, in uh, for quite some time, as long as Donald Trump is, is still on the scene. Um, so I say that and then and then say Joe Biden. I think Joe Biden's been an extraordinarily successful president in many ways. History books will show that on Ukraine, on the NATO, uh, on what he's done with NATO, uh, the expansion of NATO, what he's done in bipartisan legislation, what he Chips did in this first, yeah. first midterm uh, re-election. Uh, and history will show that, whether whether people want to talk about that now or not. Yes, no, That's, I agree. That said, Joe Biden's two, uh, two, I think, major mistakes. One was Afghanistan. Biden hated Afghanistan, uh, the leaders there since 2009. I, you know, I, I knew this was going to happen uh, because he just loathed, and I'm sure you did too as well. He just, you know, he hated Karzai. He thought we should have been out of well, there. Well, more than anything, and I was in those discussions back then, he thought that uh, it was a fool's errand to right. try and, and uh, you know, uh, transform Afghanistan into a Jeffersonian democracy. Right. And that they're, and also that they were playing us. They're getting billions of dollars of playing us, and he was right. Yes, 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 yes. But still, uh, the fact that he couldn't leave twenty five hundred troops there, I, I think there was a, mm-hmm. a, a terrible mistake on his part, and I think we're going to pay for that for quite some time. So that's one of his errors. I think the second main uh, error is the southern border. He sent a message early on. I know he was trying. He made the same mistake that I thought Barack Obama made in his foreign policy. There was too much of an obsession on not being the last guy. Barack Obama was so obsessed on not being George Bush and Dick Cheney, I think that perhaps at times he was too cautious. The, the don't do stupid shit stuff came out of that. I think Biden was the same way on immigration. Donald Trump's immigration policies were so heinous that, that Joe Biden was obsessed on not being Donald Trump. And I think, I think that led uh, to some terrible messaging early on. It led to chaos at the southern border. It led to him refusing to do what Barack Obama did do on the southern border and and, and have some order down there. Um, and so I I think I think that's that's going to stay with him for quite some time. He's got to get tougher on the southern border. I'm a big believer in in increased uh, numbers of immigration. Yeah, we, we, low. Yeah, I heard you talk about that this morning. I, I agree with you. Low end and high tech. I'm a big believer in increasing the number of refugees. We're a big country. Yeah. The more legal immigrants, the more legal refugees we have in here, the stronger of a country we are, if you believe in what Ronald Reagan said on his last speech from the White House. Mm-hmm. Um, but but right now, he's really failed to follow up. And I'll just I'll say, in doing what Barack Obama accomplished, Donald Trump would never want to admit this. Republicans don't want to admit this. But illegal border crossings on the southern border were at a 50-year low when Barack Obama left office. Mm-hmm. He really, I think he had a, a, a good guide to, um, to be a little bit tougher on the southern border, uh, and he just didn't do it. And because of that, it's not Joe Biden or people like us who are suffering. It's a lot of, it's a lot of uh, people that are crossing the desert suffering with their children. It's a humanitarian crisis, and it's been a humanitarian crisis throughout the Biden presidency. They have got to be far more aggressive, restore uh, order there, um, uh, provide humanitarian aid, 
and 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 send the message like you said david perhaps he's starting to send yes don't come here unless you can come here legally because yeah. if you do you're going to cross the desert they're going to take your money you're going to risk your family's lives and it's all going to be for nothing you you do have to do that in companionship with the ability to actually handle the people who do come exactly and that's one of the things that no i agree with you listen you got to risk a little on your on your you got to risk a little on your base side uh, on an issue like this, and he uh, and I think he's doing it now. Yeah, Mike. No, just I think the political issue on the border is not whether Biden will ever win it in the short term. It's how important it'll be a year from now when people vote, um, or more than a year. So whether it rises or declines in salience and how they manage it will affect mm-hmm. that, and the economy will. I mean, the scariest number in the presidential race is that. Trump, the flawed psychopath, has a almost 30-point advantage over Biden on handling the economy. That cannot stand if Biden wants to come back, and a new Republican will do even better. So I, I, I don't think the border will be as big of an issue. And if they're smart, I think they can use the next six months to kind of close their weakness on it. But it will right. never be his. You're right. You're right on the economy. And if I were in the White House, the thing I'd be worried about the most is a recession. Yeah, totally. Uh, yes. Which I think would be really tough. But I do think, you know, you didn't mention, Joe, what is the probably the greatest challenge he has, which is age. If he were 60, yeah. uh, I don't think we'd be, I think he'd be a solid, despite his numbers, I would feel pretty good about where where he is relative to re-election. The age issue is real, and the the challenge for him is not to look, not to be in a position where people decide that things are out of control and he's not in command, and that's why these issues are bigger. Right. Right. Or the job is too tough for an old old guy, and in recessions and bad economy, that too tough thing is a real deal. And is he up to it? Yeah. Uh, but we got a whole campaign to see. It's a great point, and I just want circling back to uh, illegal immigration. Uh, David, I want to follow up with what he said really quickly about you have to take on your own base sometimes. If you're a Democrat, President Obama did. I remember groups going after him nonstop about the fact that he was like, well, you know, we, we, we want to encourage immigration, but you've got to do it legally. Uh, and he caught a lot of grief for a long time, but he, he has an extraordinary record uh, on that. Uh, but but on, on the age, oh, one other thing too, can we all agree that illegal immigration is not a salient political issue anymore. It's offensive. It's a humanitarian crisis. We should be offended by, by, by the suffering that goes on down there. But you remember in 2018, you, you had Republicans talking about the caravans and they were coming right. up with Until leprosy. Election day. And Donald yeah. Trump sent, yeah, Donald Trump sent like troops down. Uh, 5,000, yeah. Right, right. Now they're, it didn't matter in 2018. Democrats won big. It didn't matter yeah. in 2020. Democrats won big. So we can actually talk about illegal immigration. We can actually talk about border security. We can actually talk about the humanitarian crisis and worrying about these migrants uh, on humanitarian terms without politics even coming into it. It's, I agree. It, it may be in a Republican primary. Maybe it's a big deal. That's the only place. It's just yes. political not power. in general elections anymore. I agree. I mean, most Americans are very compassionate about it. They want order at the border, but they want migrants being treated in a humanitarian way. As far as yeah, Joe I Biden's agree. age goes, and the only thing with Joe Biden's age is actually, because I will tell you, I know that Joe Biden is is still cogent uh, because, because 
I've, I've said a few things about him on my show and I've written a couple <laughs> of op-eds and he'll wake me up when I'm, go- when I'm asleep at 8.30 at night because Meek and I, of course, wake up at 4.30 in the morning and I'll just go, hello, yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> and about an hour later, he will, give, he, he will aggressively and very effectively uh, give me point by point by point about how my op-ed was flawed. And I'll tell you this, I've had a lot of politicians, I know you guys have too, that'll call you up and bitch and moan and you just kind of roll your eyes. President Biden actually had great points when he he was doing that. So he's cogent. Well, Joe, that's an Irish thing. The matter you get, your IQ goes up. You you get madder and smarter the older you are. So what I've found being around him is he is cogent. Yes, yeah, it, I'm not, it is. It is presentation uh, when he's exhausted, and I'll give you a great example. He is. He reminds me so much of George W. Bush, where you sit with George W. Bush in a room, and you're like, "This guy is the. This guy's on top of it. He's a. He's the greatest guy in the world. He's going to be gored by twenty points." <laughs> and then he goes out and does a press conference. And speaking of IQs, his IQ drops like 80 points because yeah. he gets in his head. It's the same thing with Biden. And you could see it happening to him just like you could see it with Bush. It would get in Bush's head. It gets in Biden's head where he's going, oh, gosh, I'm going to forget a word. Then everybody's going to say I'm old and I'm losing my mind. I'm going to stutter. I'm going to do this. I'm going to. I think that's the biggest problem. He does need to be. He, he needs to pace himself well because this is an issue of presentation uh, a lot more than whether he's coaching or not. And when I say pace himself, well, I mean, if he's going to give speeches and he's going to give events, he's got to be, he's got to be rested and ready to do that. Very hard Hard to do do when you're both president and running. Yeah. It's hard to do. And and the other thing, and we've talked about this before, Mike, uh, the, the one thing that we know is he isn't going to get younger. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's just the nature of things. So it is a it is it is a real thing. They don't like it when I talk about it. It's a real thing. And and you're absolutely right, Joe. How he carries himself, how he presents himself over the next eighteen months is going to be essential. Yeah. No. It, it and that's the damning thing of this issue because it's like having a set of antlers. You announced that you've cured can- cancer. I mean, what about those antlers? It just never goes away because it's apparent every time you show up. Right. I mean, you know. It, it, uh, anyway, so they've got to find other stuff. And you're right. He ought to be doing one great event a day, but he's being president. And, you know, he these legislative guys, too. Biden reminds me a bit of somebody else I really admired and once worked for, which is Bob Dole. You know, absolute killers in the small room. Yeah. Knew how to move people around, knew the system. But on the public stage, never that easy with it. You know, yeah. in Dole's case, very antiquated. I loved it about him. The only guy I've ever heard uh, actually say, by Jiminy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he was kind of from another era. Um, and and yeah. Biden just, Joe's right. He, the public communication part of the job, which has become so much more important now in our reality show era of politics, isn't really his thing. And the antlers are now always there and they're growing every day. There's really no reason why he has to do seven events a day. I mean, when absolutely. I, 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 I interviewed him in Ireland. Uh, he did, he, God, I don't know how many, he did day after day. He was there for four days. Uh, the day that I was with him, you know, we, we drove across Ireland to interview him. By the time we got back after that event, I was exhausted. Bite was off to another event and then another event and another event. 
We talk about George W. Bush, you know, for a while there, and I think in, in the 2000 campaign, Bush should have one event a day. And yeah. by the way, I've just got to say, as a, a, a politician, and both of you guys being a communication, communication guys, if you only have one event a day, that's, that's the one they cover. They yeah. got of you. That's all they cover. Right, yeah. right. One great event a day is rocket fuel. And yeah. if it is a yeah. ten minute speech, guess what? They ain't got ten minutes, and the only thing that matters at the end of the day is the bite that they take out of it. Because right. that's what ninety percent of the people who are watching it are going to see. So why do all these events that exhausting? Yeah. I agree with you completely, and I think that's a challenge for them. They also have to—they're going to have to cross a certain bar because if you're too overt about keeping him sheltered, uh, you know, if he's not doing interviews and he's not doing press conferences, I know people say, "Well, that's just an obsession of the press." But everything in these races is a test, right? How you deal with pressure, how you deal with you know perceived shortcomings, how you—people are just judging you. Right, but 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 think of Donald Trump's executive time. Donald Trump sat and watched cable news and bitched all day. It's that's true. what he did. Executive yeah. time, executive time. You think that's easy? I'm not saying exactly. I'm not yeah, saying. there are all those channels to switch back and <laughs> exactly. forth. Exactly. I'm not saying that Joe Biden shouldn't have working meetings all day. I'm just talking about in his, his, his being in front of the press. You know, the, yeah. the press has always been 78 days since they've had a break. You know, and I don't just say this about Biden. I say say this about any president so what so what yeah. i mean you know what it, it's if they decide what's best for them they decide their pacing they can do one-on-one -on -one interviews if they like but they need to figure out what works best for him and if it's one i, I agree with that it's yeah. like it's it's like athletics you know you you try and maximize the strength right, of your right. players your and minimize the weaknesses but what was the most salient what was the most uh, valuable moment for him in the last year it was at the State of the Union, completely unscripted. He gets challenged. He has a great response to the Republicans. And people said, man, he looks alive. He looks right. like he's in the moment. He needs moments like that. It may, it may not be in front of the press. It may be somewhere else. But he just needs these, these sort of notes of reassurance right. for people. No, they, to they totally have to build that. Now, I tried to turn it all around. I sent them the miracle slogan. That would have saved everything, but they rejected it. What's Which was that, Joe Mike? Biden. He hears you, but speak into the horn. Just, you know, I got a little nasty note back. No more suggestions allowed. But he should remember, I'll, I'll tell you, the Bob Goodman lesson. The great Bob Goodman, old legendary Republican ad man, consultant, did a lot of races. He was doing John Tower's reelection. And, you know, he had that Texas mentality of tough. And Tower had the voice. But Tower was not a tall man. So they had to do the television. So Goodman shot the spots in the old Senate chamber with the small furniture. And Tower <laughs> looked bigger than life, put it on television. Perfect senator for Texas. So they ought to construct the whole thing. To, I'm totally with you on this. Create those moments. Yeah. Don't yeah. Try to, don't don't make him a regular candidate, sir. We're so good. We figured out how to do a fourth rally in Lima, Ohio. They love that. that. No danger. Joe Scarborough, you did how many hours did you do this morning? Four. Four is it? Four hours this morning, and you just did an hour with us. Boom. And we're we're yeah, man. It's unbelievable. And talk about a guy who looks unruffled, who could looks like he could do another four hours. Uh, you are the man, and we uh, appreciate you being here and hope you come back from time to time. You can actually do it on TV. We're stuck here with the yes. radio toads. Yes. You know, we can't yeah. handle video. But, Joe, thanks so much for coming Murphy on. knows All people right. if you need him to put a word in for you. Oh, I love so, that. All right. Yeah, Thank so. you, guys. Honored right. to be here. It's great talking to you. 
great right. to see Thanks you. Again, Thank Joe. you. All right. Bye. So we got a little press for time because when you have Joe Scarborough, you want a full hour of him. But uh, <laughs> we'll be back next week with the mailbag and book club. So come on back. Yeah, we're fit an extra question in. All right. I'll see you soon, Axe. That was a fun one. All right, brother. Great to be with you as always. 